So Money, episode 313, The Debt-Free Guys, David Otten and John Schneider. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. We've got two wonderful guests today. A couple, in fact. David Otten and John Schneider, also known as the Debt-Free Guys. They're making headlines these days with their blog and coming out as financial leaders for their peers in the LGBT community. Now, when John and David met, they were two guys living what seemed to be normal lives. They were in their 30s. They were financial professionals, but they also had $51,000 in combined credit card debt. So in our conversation, we chat about how they got out of that debt, how for many years they lived what they called a double life as two men who were fabulous, out partying, nice cars, nice clothes, great jeans, but secretly were saddled with over $50,000 in debt. And we also talk about the specific financial needs they're recognizing amongst gay couples. And we also talk about wine. These guys are wine lovers, cars, and so much more. David and John currently work in financial services, but they plan to quit very soon to pursue their blog and speaking engagements full time. Here we go. Here is the Debt Free Guys. John Schneider and David Otten, the debt-free guys. Welcome to So Money. I'm really excited to get to know you better. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. having us. So we were both at FinCon. I should say all three of us were at FinCon back in September, but we didn't exactly connect then. What do you think of FinCon? It, it was amazing. It was. I keep liking it, comparing it to having been a um, sci-fi geek watching movies in your mom's basement and all of a sudden you realize that there's a Star Trek convention. <laughs> <laughs> and who's like, speaking wow. right now? Is this, Dave, is this David or I'm, John? I'm sorry. This is John. This is yeah. John. Okay. I want to get familiarity with your voices. Absolutely. And that was, this is David. And da- I, was, I was just going to say that I, I think for us, it was, it was that kind of moment when you realize you're with your people and you're with all, everyone in the room has a similar goal and you have so much fun connecting. It's almost like cone heads and you're rubbing heads with each other. You know? It's just so, <laughs> We're, it is a fun time. <laughs> and it was yeah. your first FinCon, although FinCon is a relatively new event, but this was your first time there. The two of you started blogging officially in 2013 to chronicle your own journey to get out of debt, a whopping $51,000 in credit card debt. You were living in a basement apartment. You guys like to live the good life. We do. Yes, we do. <laughs> Did you feel that when you had this credit card debt that you were kind of living a fraudulent good life in a way? You know, that would be wise to say, but this is John, that would be wise to say, but I think we were just really unconscious with our spending. We, um, um, you know, we were, we were, um, within a group of people who liked to live the high life and it was not necessarily trying to keep up with the Joneses, but just trying to be a part of the group that we were, that we were with. Um, and, uh, I don't think we really thought that much about, um, about it like that, that we were living fake lives until we kind of hit our, our, our rock bottom. Yeah, tell okay, me, this, take me there. Could you? <laughs> let's yeah. get really sad fast. <laughs> let's talk about the rock bottom moment. As as it turns out, it was probably the aha moment as well. Yeah, it was our aha moment. This is John again. Um, we had spent the weekend in Winter Park, Colorado, with a college friend of mine and his girlfriend at the time, and we had uh, 
right, ridden bikes around uh, Winter Park a little bit and saw some houses that we were interested in buying as a second property or a vacation home. And we realized that ultimately with our debt to income ratio and um, our the, the size of our, our debt, that we weren't going to be able to get a decent loan if we could get a loan at all. And so when we got home that Sunday night, we were sitting in the backyard of our basement apartment and just kind of depressed and in a funk and wondering why were our friends, our peers, um, doing so much better, progressing so much more quickly in their careers, uh, in uh, their life goals, uh, life stages of life than we were. And we ultimately realized it was because we were living way beyond our means. And a lot of our income was financing our debt. So... Yeah, so you're in your ba- you're in your your basement on the patio. What was did it just click and you're like, "Okay, we're going to get out of debt and start a blog." Like that doesn't happen. So what was <laughs> what was the next thing that you decided to do? This is David. I I think that the probably the the first thing that we realized is that we were living just like the vast majority of everybody else in America and possibly the world that you always think that you're going to get that life that you want. You're going to get the things that you want, but you never really think about how you're going to get there. And when we kind of had those discussions about where we were headed and what we wanted in life, that's when we realized we can't do anything that we want to do unless we get ourselves back on track financially. And we were coming from the finance world. We were telling people, you need to be investing for the future. Don't take money out of your 401k. Make sure you're setting aside money in an emergency savings account. And we were not doing any of that ourselves. And so then really kind of what kind of kicked it all off for us was at the time I had been laid off and I was enjoying life because I got nine months of severance pay, which was, which was great. Um, I had intended to put that towards my debt and didn't put any of it towards my debt. I ended, actually ended up having more debt when I was done with my summer vacation, so to speak. But towards fun the end there. Fun employment, as I like to call it. <laughs> yes, yes fun exactly. Employment. Exactly. I took uh, a couple of days and I sat down with every single account that we had. Credit cards, debit cards, checking accounts, savings accounts. And I looked at every single spending uh transaction that we had over a 12 month period. I had several spreadsheets. John said I geeked out on numbers and I totally (laughs) did, but it was amazing to us to realize how unconscious we were about spending five or $10 here on a regular basis or those three or $400 purchases that we couldn't show. We didn't have anything to show for them any longer. Uh, And how much of our money we were putting on our credit cards while at the same time in the same category, spending cash and in a lot of ways, doubling what we thought we were budgeting because we weren't seeing what we're spending on our credit cards, but we were seeing what we were spending out of our cash accounts. And it just wasn't, it was, we were oblivious to what was going on. You both work in financial services. So in some ways it should have just clicked for you, but it didn't. And so you primarily blame the lifestyle that just you got as they say, like the lifestyle just crept into your expenses and you just didn't have an awakening until you did. Yeah. Yeah. We were, um, you know, we were, uh, younger. I liken it to, um, when you're a couple of years ago, when, uh, the LGBT community wasn't as accepted as it is today. Um, when you were in high school and college, it was 
not a positive experience often to come out of the closet. So a lot of us were living in the closet. We weren't having the same kinds of um, personal relationships, um, dating relationships that our straight peers were having. And so not until we got out of our parents' houses and were off on our own, were we able to kind of live that dating lifestyle, having that kind of puppy love phase with um, people that we're meeting. And so we weren't able to kind of experience that when we were younger. And then that's timing that right when our careers were taking off and we were making more money than we ever had in the past was kind of sort of a, a perfect storm of, of problems. So we're spending a lot of money having these, these, this puppy love phase um, and uh, just kind of didn't bode well for us. And it wasn't until I think three years that we were together that we finally realized that we needed to fix what we were doing. That makes a lot of sense. And actually it reminds me of something that one of my gay friends told me. He said, if you have been in the closet and you're suddenly 40 and you're dating for the first time, it's like you're 16. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly it's like, like that. You know? <laughs> and so imagine that. So yeah, um, we were making up for, you know, what we didn't experience when we yeah. were in our teens and early 20s. Well, this able to spend a lot more money doing that. too. Mm -hmm. So let's transition to the LGBT community a little bit because the two of you are a couple and recently have been maybe look, consciously positioning your brand and your blog and your and your work towards helping this community specifically. Why don't we have more people in this space? Uh, being leaders in this space for this particular community in this way. I mean, finance is so important and there are unique circumstances for couples, same-sex couples. So A, why is, I feel like there's a real void um, in identifiable leadership in this space. So smart of you two to realize, okay, we're going to really take you know advantage of this, but also fill a need. And then what are the specific obstacles that you're finding your peers are dealing with currently as it comes to money? Yeah, this is David. I'll, I'll take that one. I, th I think that, um, well, John was on uh, Emma Johnson's podcast a few weeks back and she kind of made the comment about how gays have a fabulous lifestyle. And I think that that has kind of been the brand that most gays have uh, grown up with in the in the 90s and 2000s is that we have uh, oftentimes dual income, no kids. And because of that, we have everyone thinks that we have disposable and much more disposable income. And we live up to that expectation. We live up this expectation that we're going to have the nice house, have the nice cars, do all the fancy uh, vacations all over the world. And whether we can afford it or not, we do it. And I think that that is been one of the reasons why there's a maybe a void in this space is I don't know if there are very many gay couples out there who are thinking about their finances in the manner in which they want to tell other gays, you need to be money conscious. You need to be cautious about how you're spending. Um, and I don't think anyone wants to really go against that grain. They want everyone to think that they have that amazing lifestyle. So when we came out of the closet financially, uh, as well, I think that we kind of did position ourselves in this space to say it's okay to recognize that you may not have the fabulous lifestyle everyone wants you to have right now, but you can build that life. And there, there are a few things that you adjustments you can make in your life to get that. So it's this reconciliation with your lifestyle, then also being public with the fact that maybe you don't have it all together and you're not so fabulous as your friends think <laughs> it's, it's a, uh, it's a big 
moment to step into and really own. What, what, what helped you accept that in some ways other than having this partnership? I'm sure being in a partnership helps, but what sort of support system did, do you have? And did you have at the time as you were basically coming out of the closet financially? This is David. I, I think that, um, as far as the support system goes, it was kind of fortunate for us that we had each other, um, because we had been kind of portraying to everyone else in uh, our, our close friends that we were fabulous. We, we were taking nice, (laughs) we were taking those nice vacations. We were trying to, uh, have nice cars. Unfortunately, we were living in a basement apartment. So we were kind of living a, a double life. Um, but then one of the things that we did, and we did this with our family and close friends, is we we visualized where we wanted to be, and then we socialized where we were. We really did go out to our friends and say, hey, I know that you're used to going to happy hour with us every Friday and then going out to dinner and dropping 100 or 150 bucks, but we can't do that anymore. And we told our families that we're not going to be spending as much money or any money on Christmas this year because we have a goal of getting out of debt. And we told them how much debt we had. And I think that it, one, it surprised some of them and it made a, some of them feel like that they were uncomfortable and weren't necessarily didn't want to spend time with us because they, they knew that they wanted to continue or maybe they could afford that lifestyle. But I think what really we found is that there were a couple of people who were very supportive of us getting out of debt because they knew that we wanted to have a better life. Yeah, I was going to say, what was the reaction from friends and family? But it sounds like they got you. They yeah. really got you. Yeah, it was kind of mixed, but for the most part, it was it was positive. Mm-hmm. So what are the unique situ- – like, so beyond the spending and beyond the this the living – this, you know, perfect life with all these fabulous items and trips that might be a double life. What are some other specific issues that gay couples experience when it comes to money that straight couples don't, if there are any? I mean, I think from like now, maybe a year ago, we'd have a different conversation about this, but have things gotten better? I think things have gotten better. They are definitely getting levelized. This is John, sorry. Um, But what I think is fascinating right now is all of a sudden and almost by surprise because it happened so fast, uh, same-sex couple relationships are now being validated. And that's also happening within same-sex couple relationships. And they're thinking to themselves, yeah, we can actually get married or we can actually be a couple as is stereotypical. And so now that kind of takes our, our relationship to the next phase. And then, so do we merge our accounts together? Do we, do we, do we, pay all of our bills together and you know, do we look like our mom and dad looked like when, when they were paying their bills? <laughs> so it's kind of, um, it's, there's a lot of um, gays and lesbians who don't or haven't merged accounts together or who have always kind of thought, you know, we are a couple, but I pay for these expenses and she pays for these expenses. And that's kind of changed a little bit because uh, of gay marriage. Yeah, my sister-in-law is gay and she's out, so I can say this, and she just got married. Yay, Lauren and Kate. Hey, nice. <laughs> and they actually asked me the other night at dinner, like, what do you think we should do with our money as far as joining our accounts? And I said, well, you know, they're, in, they're both in their 30s. One owns a business. So 
I said, honestly, I think you don't have to change much, but given now that you have these shared goals, they want to buy a house, they want to have a child, they want to get another dog, you know, there are expenses that they're going to both contribute to going forward. So perhaps is that you start a savings account, a joint savings account for those goals that, you know, this doesn't require switching banks. It's just opening up a new bank account somewhere that you're funneling money into every paycheck that is for your future goals. And, you know, if you're comfortable with the fact that Kate's been paying X every month and Lauren's been paying Z every month, then then keep at that. But the most important thing is transparency, I feel. This is my opinion. Like, I just don't want there to be a situation where one person feels um, locked out of the other person's financial life, that there is an, a confusion around what kind of debt she has or he has or the savings that he has or she has, how much that person makes. So that, that should all be laid out. And whether you have a joint account, whether you pull, pull all your money together, I'm not a fan of that, actually, regardless of you know the, the, the orientation. I just feel like you need your financial independence in your relationship to some extent. What do you guys do? Well, I think that you're, you hit it on the head there about how you, you need to be transparent. This is David. And I, I think that one of the things that John and I did early on was we were very transparent with each other when it came to our finances. When we had, after we had that aha moment, we really, we said to each other, what do we need to do so that we can get out of debt and that we can act as a partnership? You, we are a partnership. And so we need to figure out how do we balance each other out? What is his spending like versus mine? And how do we fund that in, in accounts or whatever manner? Um, we took the route of combining all of our assets into one cash account. But then we also each had a small uh, separate account, which we basically allowed it that allowed each of us to spend on what we wanted. But because our primary goal was to get out of debt and buy a condo, we focused the vast majority of our money on that. So it was very goal focused as what, what we ended up doing with our, our money. And we kind of, that just kind of stuck for us. And it just made sense for us to continue doing that um, because our goals now are so closely aligned. Um, but I think that it re- you really have to figure out what works for you as a, as a couple, you need to figure out what's in, what is important. And because if you, if one of you cannot do it, uh, but doesn't say anything about it, it's not going to be successful. It's just like any partnership. If somebody is not a wholeheartedly in that partnership, it's not going to be successful. What's your money mantra? Do you have a collective money mantra, like a marital money mantra? <laughs> are you married? I didn't want to. Pres- I don't want to jump to. No, presume. We are not. Okay. We are. We are. What is it? Domesticated. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we we have a mantra, and it's kind of been our mantra uh, since we really kind of got on this journey, and we actually use that as the debt-free guys mantra as well, and that is live debt-free, have fun, and be money conscious. We think that if you can combine those three things in your life, have the goal of always being debt free, have fun with whatever it is you're doing financially and being money conscious, aware of what's going on around you outside, 
uh, your finance, financial situation, then with those three things, you will be able to build the best financial life possible. And so planning for retirement, planning for goals, where does that fall into uh, the motto, the mantra? Is that the money conscious part? Right. I think that's, uh, this is David again. Yes, it, I think that is the being money conscious because you're aware of what your, how money is influencing your life and where you want to go with it. Um, being money conscious is, uh, is I, I kind of liken it to the analogy of driving through the intersection. You're on the other side of the light and you think back to yourself, was that a red light or a green light? I mean, I think most of us who drive have done that before. And I think that's the way most people go, are going through their lives. They don't realize what signals they're getting from outside that help them to get to where they want to go safely. And so having that goal, financial goal for John and I, when we when we sat down after our aha moment, we decided there were two things that we wanted in life. We wanted to continue traveling and we wanted to have a successful, safe retirement and so that's where the vast majority of our money has been funneled. We decided we didn't need to live in a big house. We didn't need to have fancy cars. We what, what we figured out what would make us happy. And that's where the that has been our plan ever since. So what so, does your life look like now? You don't have the fancy car. Maybe you're not living in the basement apartment anymore. Can you kind of share with us a snapshot of your life right now? Sure. So we moved out of the basement apartment and now we live on the 12th floor of a high rise that looks out towards the mountains and downtown Denver. <laughs> so nice. we, couldn't, we couldn't go much higher. <laughs> um, and we have a good life. We have a, we have a nice life. Uh, we have a thousand square foot condo. It's uh, modern style and it's, we're slowly decorating it. Um, we love it. Uh, we travel quite a bit. We've uh, done some pretty extensive travel. Um, New Zealand, Australia, Mexico, quite a few times, um, Spain, London. Um, so we've done some extensive travel. We are saving up for, I have my dream car. I have a Mini Cooper and David is saving up for his dream car, which would be an Audi. Um, so it's a, it's a good life. We, we live a bigger life now than we did when we were in debt. Mm. And granted, we're, we're making more money, but I think if we had continued the path that we were on, we would definitely not have achieved the lifestyle that we have now. And your blog, Debt Free Guys, has now will soon afford you the opportunity to leave your day jobs. There are a lot of people in my audience who are fascinated by that transition. Basically, starting a blog and being able to call yourself a blogger with a capital B, among other things. But how how did you make that possible? Are you monetizing? How are you monetizing the blog? Is I guess is my question. <laughs> so the, this whole path to Debt Free Guys has been very circuitous. We started out getting out of debt. And in that process, we, we wrote down what we learned and we thought we could turn this into a book. And so we turned, we wrote for the four principles of a debt-free life over the course of 10 long years and <laughs> um, fits and starts. And we thought, okay, we're going to present this to the world and they're just going to love it. And Oprah's going to call us and it's going to be awesome. Um, and that's not how it works, <laughs> as you probably know. So we learned the hard way that we needed to build a platform and that's how we got into the blogging space. And um, it wasn't until maybe a year or so we were kind of you know, idling by with the blogging that we actually really committed to it. And that slowly started, slowly started to grow. So since FinCon, um, and since the, the goal is for us to be able to eventually both work so solely for debt-free guys, uh, we've worked on the monetization of our website. So we've established some affiliate marketing uh, relationships. 
that we're going to start adding to our website here in the next couple of weeks. Um, we are starting a series uh, on Blab I am soon called Queer Money. Um, we're looking for sponsorships for that. And then uh, with the help of some friends <laughs> and some uh, mentors, we're slowly getting into the public speaking space and we're looking to monetize that as well. Fantastic. Lots on, lots in store in the new year. I'll be looking forward to all of that. Lot going on. <laughs> Queer <laughs> Money. So um, the you should, how about a podcast? So that's basically the queer money is, um, it's like a, it's a webcast it's on, on blab. So, um, the kind of the format of the show is we are going to look at the nuances or sometimes the direct differences between finance for the masses and that for the LGBTQ community. And, uh, really kind of the idea there is to, have guests as well as our own voices share with individuals what I think a lot of people have in their head and aren't expressing uh, as far as the gay community goes when it comes to things that we need to be concerned with, things that are a part of our past and we maybe need to let go of, and things that we need to be looking forward to in the future. Let's talk about your upbringing. Growing up, and each of you can share a story, I'd like to ask my guests about a, a money memory, you know, an experience that you had growing up as a child that really impacted you or left you with some significant impression about the financial world or your and your place in it. Um, what, what stands out? This is David. I, I think that, um, unfortunately it's, it's a, it's a good memory, but it's one that I didn't learn from. And now that I look back on it, I, I realized that there are so many missed opportunities when you're learning from your parents. Um, when I was a kid, we, we didn't have a lot of money. Uh, but then when I was 12, my family moved to Ireland. Uh, the, the job my dad had moved us there and, uh, we, Basically, our lives transformed. We were living in a very nice part of town. The company was paying for our housing, our car. They gave us a food stipend. So all of the money basically my dad was earning, he turned around and put into his retirement. And I remember him telling me, and this is back in the the mid to late 80s, him telling me that he was saving $1,000 a month for retirement. And at the time, it didn't that didn't register for me. But when I started paying off my debt. And I started thinking about retirement since that was one of my goals. I started thinking about how much of my dad's income at the time he was putting aside so that he and my mother would have a successful and happy retirement. And, uh, fortunately, uh, it, 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 it's what they have lived on. My dad, unfortunately was laid off, um, in his late fifties, early sixties. I think he had a short time period was working again, but because of him setting aside that money, they have been able to, he's has not worked since then. But I think the memory that, or the thing that is put in my head is that, um, we always have the opportunity to live for today. Um, we won't always have the opportunity to plan for tomorrow. And so every day we need to think about what is it that I want I'm doing today that will help me have a better tomorrow. That's a great story. So um, my first money memory was when we were living just outside of Philadelphia. Um, Where? I'm from Philadelphia, somewhat. Oh, really? I'm just out, uh, just outside Warminster. Okay. I Well, my family lived in Bryn Mawr for a while. I went to Harrison yeah. High School. 
I know where Bryn Mawr is. <laughs> so Mar I have College. a lot of, yeah. Yeah. So I went to um, Bloomsburg University. I have a ton of friends who mm -hmm. still live in the uh, Philadelphia area, New Jersey area. So we go back there all the time. I'm trying to get David to move back there someday. I <laughs> so wish they would create like a super fast train that was affordable back and forth to Philly because honestly, I would move in a heartbeat. That it's a great awesome. suburban area. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's uh, right now we're just stuck with Amtrak. <laughs> that may or may not get you where you need to go. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. It's just that world. Um, so yeah, I remember uh, we were uh, our basement had is where the TV was, the TV, the family room was, and I remember we would look upstairs into uh, the kitchen, and my mom and dad would sit there once a month and go through all their bills, pay all their expenses together, and and, and itemize their budget. And I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, this is this is important. <laughs> Whatever they're doing is a big deal because they do it every month." <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize, unfortunately, how important it was until you know, I was 30. <laughs> so, um, but I do, that was my first money memory. It was very, very, you know. Did they ever pull you in and say, here's what we're doing? Did no, you, you did, never asked? Did, uh, we never had a money discussion. I remember once, um, this is another, I don't, I think this is maybe a little bit later, but I remember sitting in the car with my mom and just asking her how much we make. <laughs> and she yeah. said, well, it's not polite to ask if you don't make it. <laughs> oh, how do you so think? Like, okay. <laughs> well, do you think that was fair of her to say, or how, what's your take on, you know, how to communicate about money with with kids? I mean, more gay couples are having kids, mm -hmm. um, adopting kids, or now there's all sorts of ways you can have biological kids. What, yeah. what, what, if you were to have a child, what do you think would want to be your relationship with them as around money? This, this is David. I actually have a stepson from a previous relationship and we have been very open with Joey about money. Um, we don't necessarily sit down and talk about, um, our finances, but we're very vocal about why we're doing what we're doing with that free guys. He's 16, almost 17 now. And, um, I started a, a UTMA account for him when he was born. And so I've used that as a teaching tool. Um, and oftentimes when we give him gifts and they are a little bit nicer, um, for example, I gave him an iPad and I bought him an iPhone. And when I give him those gifts, I explain to him that a lot of this is you have this because we set aside money early on. And so I kind of try to teach him that lesson about the, if you want to have nice things in the future, you have to plan for it and set aside money today because you don't know if you're going to have that money in the future or be able to make that money in the future. And it's been interesting because I have asked him a couple of times at, at a, when he turns 18, I have to turn the money over to him from the U2MA account. And I've asked him several times, what do you think you're going to do with the money? What do you want to do with it? And how do you think that we should be spending the money right now before you turn 18, since he's old enough to have those kinds of discussions? And it's amazing to me the way his mind thinks about money now compared to what I would expect from a, a typical 16 mm -hmm. to 18 year old. And, so I, been <laughs> and, I, and probably a lot to do with your open dialogue around it with him. And just sharing the process, you know, sharing the reality of what you're doing with your money. It's not really a lecture, but it's just here. F, here's some unsolicited information <laughs> about money. 
And he's helped us out with a little bit with Deaf Free Guys. So he's, he knows what we're about and he's mm-hmm. read some of our blog posts because he's had to do some work with them. Awesome. That's yeah, great. So he's very, very involved. It's, 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 it's fascinates me sometimes the questions or comments that come out of his mouth. Kids know more than you and, and they appreciate yeah. knowing more about money than you think. Right. Right. Um, so I, I wish my mom would have had that kind of response, but I think she acted the way I think most parents at that time, you know, acted about money. I think it was just kind of more of a culture. It was, it was less cultural. Yeah. Talk. Yes. Um, you know, I've talked to many people on this podcast who grew up with that same mentality from their parents, you know, that money talking about personal wealth, money, uh, it's just, uh, it's not nice. It's not no. nice, Junior. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what would you say now is your so money moment? We talked about, I talk about failure on the show, but we kind of got to that. I think you're $51,000, you, you're hitting rock bottom. We kind of more or less went there. I'd like to talk about your highest moment, your f- so money moment. Where were you? The moment you really realized, you, you realized, oh my gosh, we did it. I think for me, this is David. I think there are two. I think the one is the the paying off the debt because that was such a momentous moment. For two and a half years, we changed our lives. Uh, we still worked at having a lot of fun, but we also worked at being able to get that debt paid off. And so that was a, a, an awesome, great feeling. And we capped it off very well because um, a friend of ours, a good friend of John's, had told us far enough in advance that she was getting married and wanted to have her wedding in Mexico. So in addition to paying off our debt, we also saved up enough money so that we could go to Mexico for her wedding. And that was kind of the culmination of it. We had this awesome party and we were with a bunch of people who knew that we were trying to pay off our debt and we were telling them, you know, we are debt free and we're on the beach in Mexico. And I just remember John and I walking up and down the beach, holding hands and just how amazing that feeling was. Um, and then I think the other was when we bought our condo and moving from a, a basement apartment where everything was dark and it <laughs> kind of felt like that set the tone for our life to moving to the 12th floor. And we have Florida ceiling windows along one whole side of the condo uh, that's 30 feet long. And it's just completely that's now that's now our, our outlook on life. And it just I look out there every day and see the city and the mountains. And I think to myself, this is, that's the direction I'm heading rather than the dark of the basement. It's so great. It's uh, limitless in some ways, exactly. your view. I love it. What are your number one financial habits or just one that you do that helps to maintain now the great work that you've accomplished that helps you stay debt-free? We look at our budget every, at least once a week. <laughs> and maybe that's a little bit too much, but um, relative to what we used to do, it's... <laughs> What's in your budget? I always, I sh- maybe I should start asking guests this, but like if you have a budget, like beyond the obvious, like rent or your mortgage, your car payments, what else is in there? Food, obviously, but what, like I, maybe it'll give us a sense of who, what you like to do, what your priorities are. What are some of the line items on your budget that maybe people wouldn't expect? Yeah, beyond the, the the typical, we definitely have a social budget, and that's um, uh, a lot of that goes to wine. Um, <laughs> um, but we also have a line item right now. Like I said, we're saving up for a car for David. He's wanted an Audi forever, and our the current car that he uses isn't going to last much longer. So we have that line item. Um, we do have uh, we we are increasing our emergency savings account beyond what we would normally advise, simply because we're planning on going solo soon. 
Um, uh, other than that, I don't think we're, we're really kind of any different or unique. Do you think? Well, I think that one of the things that we're doing right now um, is we we are funneling money into the debt free guys uh, as a brand as a business because we know that that is where our future is, and I think that uh, a lot of individuals who have a job and aren't necessarily looking at other ways to um, to fund their future, they oftentimes invest in stocks or you know, mutual funds, or they have some way of investing. So we have a different type of investment category, and that is our business. True. Okay. Ready for some so money? Fill in the blanks. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is... <laughs> Anyone can jump in here. David loves this question. Go ahead. Um, well, I kind of have a, a multi-part answer, so I hope you're okay with that. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind, I think, and I think that a lot of people forget this when they think about winning big, is that it's going to be taken down by 45% in taxes. I know that's a that's a total bummer, but you know, a drag. But I think then the other thing that John and I think about a lot is investing or putting money aside so that we can basically live off of the interest. Uh, the earnings from that so that we can pursue whatever it is that we want to do. If we decide that we want to hop in the car and we want to drive to California, we can, or that we want to hop on a plane and fly to Mexico, we can. Um, so setting up our lifestyle so it's as flexible as possible. And then both of us would really like to have a house in the mountains and a house on the beach. So we probably would get those. <laughs> nice. Cause I mean, you need both. You can't be on the beach and see the mountains. You can't be on the mountains and see the beach. So that makes total sense to me. It's very true. <laughs> I like the way you think is what I'm Actually, saying. Actually, in New Zealand, if you lay on the beach, you can see the mountains. So, there's, there's a so couple of spots. Maybe you just kill birds, two birds with one stone and buy a big palatial place in, in New Zealand. There you go. It's it's not the real beach, though. Where When John thinks of the beach, he's thinking of like Mexico or mm. The sand, yeah, the sand. There, it's kind of a pebble beach because yeah. it is all cut off. That's the true. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Neither suck. Yeah. <laughs> Rock hard place. Yes. Um. So tell me now, the one thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is. I wish, I think we probably both wish we knew that um, debt was anchoring our future to our past. Hmm. We didn't realize that until even after we paid all our debt uh, and we kind of analyzed our entire situation that that's what we were doing. We were constantly living in the past. Um, we had the nicest jeans and the newest phones and um, the, well, David had the most coiffed hair. <laughs> I don't have any hair, um, <laughs> but uh, we, you know, we were, we were always looking good and we represented ourselves well, but that was all just stuff in the past. And, you know, we were, we we're still you know, a year or two later, we were paying for happy hours and dinners oh, out. So yeah. One uh, one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better, I love this question, is? Wine. Yeah. <laughs> I should have just known. I should just skip that question. <laughs> fill in the blank. I should, what's your, what? Uh, so what should I be drinking? <laughs> oh, um, so a couple of years ago, <laughs> this is a funny story. We did the um, the turkey trot with a friend of ours a couple of years ago and we went, we went back to their house um, for some drinks. And after we had a couple of, I guess, Bloody Marys, the husband brought up um, a bottle of Segacio. It's a vineyard out in California. Uh, it's a, um, I can't think of the, the style. Pro primarily Zinfandels, yeah. but mm -hmm. um, they do have Segacio? Segacio. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, 
this S E G H E S I O. Okay. Okay. Well, um, is this yeah. a affordable? It's um, yeah, it's definitely affordable. They um, they the 2013s we just saw the other day were like twenty five dollars. Um, they actually have they have exactly. a bottle at Trader Joe's for twenty two here in Denver. Oh but, wow! But it also goes all the way up into yeah eighty dollars a bottle. So. Go up there. So um, for I, for new vintage, not 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 not, one, not something that's been around for a while, right? So we had um, a 2009, I think a year yeah, ago, 2002, was it 2002, mm-hmm. 2002, a couple, uh, a year ago in the mountains with uh, friends of mine. And that was, it was as close to port port as you could get without being port. It mm. was so yummy and smooth and yeah, awesome. it was fascinating. <laughs> well, maybe that's like on the side, has any of you, have either of you ever thought of getting a sommelier certification? Or I don't I even know what it's called. It. That sounds hard. <laughs> it is. It's a really hard test. You know that documentary that, that walks you through the process of these people that take the exam every year. It's like harder than getting into law school at Stanford. It's harder. Like it's the, the CFP. <laughs> no, I mean, oh, forget. I mean, it's like CFP is like you could do it in your sleep compared to this exam. Um, yeah. you, have, you have to basically taste wine blindfolded. And be able to say the region, the year, the grapes, everything. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. I can't remember what what yesterday's date was. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, many people fail this test. Exactly. Um, it sounds like fun until you realize it, it's a it, test. The documentary yeah. was fun to watch. Um, I think it's called Sommelier or something like that. I don't know. Listeners, yeah. you know, write in and tell me that I'm wrong. Um, okay. And I, I think that was all the fill in the blanks. What's your number one splurge? I didn't ask you that. Your your biggest splurge is besides wine. We have somebody come and clean our house. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we we um we dedicate so much of our time outside of uh, our regular jobs to debt free guys that we we take that as a we relax instead of cleaning our house mm-hmm. and, and have somebody else do it. Outsource mm-hmm. it, baby. Yeah. I love right. that day when we come home from work and the house is all clean. <laughs> and if, if, if it happens to, so happens to be clean sheet night too, that I mean, you can't beat that a clean he's, condo, clean sheet night. And it's awesome. <laughs> he go, he's euphoric. I mean, it's just crazy. Clean sheets. It's the little things. <laughs> yes, exactly. I always say like when, when we're rich enough, we will have clean sheets every day. <laughs> Ooh. Um, well, good luck with that. Environment may not like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, you know, your your electricity bill might go up, your right. gas bill, whatever you use to run your washer. Um, and last but not least, we're the debt free guys, and we're so money because I think because we really focused on get reaching that goal, and since we paid off our debt, we are now our goal is to help others relieve that stress in their life. We really want to help others be as euphoric as we are about where we're going in our life financially. It's so life is so much fun. You don't need to burden it down because of a because of your debt. So it's live debt free, have fun and be money conscious. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. David and John, a pleasure to connect with you finally. And I hope to meet with you in person at the next FinCon in San Absolutely. Diego. We'll yeah, exactly. <laughs> so excited about that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. Thanks, Thanks you too. Bye bye. 
If you'd like to learn more about David and John, the Debt Free Guys, their website is debtfreeguys.com. They're also on Twitter by the same handle, Debt Free Guys. You can grab the transcript, audio, and comments for this episode and all previous episodes at somoneypodcast.com. There you can also send me your question. Click on Ask Farnoosh, and that's how you and I can connect for the Friday episodes where I turn the show over to you and lead with all of your questions. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Thanks for dealing with my scratchy voice. Getting over that laryngitis ain't easy. Thanks so much for your patience and for your support. See you next time. Hope your day is so money. Money.